Peter Sam and the Christmas Beatles. The little engines on the narrow gauge railway were huffing and puffing their hearts. Winter had arrived on Sodor, which meant holiday makers were coming and going so they could see their families on Christmas Day. The engines loved this time of year. Many of the engines were used to pulling extra passenger trains, but this did not cease the import and export of important goods on various parts of the line. One morning, the engines were getting steamed up, ready for another busy day. We have more passengers today, hummed Reneus. We have them every day, groaned Sir Handel. It was Peter Sam's turn to put in. Just be thankful that you get to pull passengers, Sir Handel, he huffed. I'm stuck on crawly duties. That, my dear friend, is because you're much better at it than I am, Sir Handel remarked. Passengers are all well and good, they're clean and well kept, but they mustn't fluster with all their presence, parcels and relations. Sir Handel was well to do and didn't like any fuss, but Peter Sam was quite contrary to his opinions. Ah, I wish I could celebrate Christmas too like the other passenger engines do, he thought to himself. He chuffed through Crovensgate Station as a full train of happy children poured into Scarlowy's coaches. The driver could tell Peter Sam's spirits weren't as radiant as they normally were. We can at least be thankful that we can see how happy everybody is. And you, my dear engine, are very good at spreading that cheer wherever you go. Peter Sam responded with a rather limp smile. He had to stop at the top station, where he met Duncan, who was idling in the sidings. There was a line that deviated here that went to the gunpowder mines. Duncan would normally collect the trucks from a specially designated point and bring them back to the main stretch of line. Today, however, Duncan was reluctant to work. My steam injectors failed, he started with a sneer. That means you have to go down there. Peter Sam didn't see any reason why this could be an issue. Be careful, you'll have to look out for the giant creepy crawlies. Then, his face went white. The, 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 the what? Duncan gawped. Oh, haven't you heard? Do you know why we're not allowed in the mines? <laughs> Isn't it because it's dangerous? Thought Peter Sam. Aha! That's what they tell us. But they don't know the place is riddled with creepy crawlies and wriggle through the yard, scaring off young steamers. Peter Sam wasn't too sure what to make of Duncan's story, so decided not to humour him. Silly Duncan, scoffed Peter Sam. There's no such thing as creepy crawlies. The sun was slowly setting as they reached the gunpowder mines. Peter Sam knew that the train of trucks would be waiting for him, but there was nothing there. His curiosity percolated as he eased closer towards the entry to the mines. Still no sign. He knew that they weren't allowed in, but he knew he had time to keep. Peter Sam edged closer into the yard limits and looked around from one side of the yard to the other. 
Suddenly, two eerie figures emerge from the dark tunnels. Peter Sam quaked in fear. Oh, who, who are you? He stuttered. You must leave me snarled one gruff voice. Snapped the other. Peter Sam jumped as he felt a train buffer up behind him. He darted forward and charted around the loop that skirted the parameter of the mines and disappeared into the night. By the time Peter Sam and his crew reached the sheds, it was very late. He shuddered as he recalled the things that he suspected could be the giant's creepy crawlies. Duncan knew all too well what had happened. Those creepy crawlies came up and scared the living daylights out of Yon. Peter Sam decided it was best not to fuel Duncan's teasing. Whatever Peter Sam saw, put in Scarlowy, I'm sure it's probably nothing to be scared of. The next morning, the Thing Controller informed Peter Sam that he was going to go to the gunpowder mines again. There's a large order that needs to be filled, he said, and while Duncan is being mended, I need you to take that train for me. Yes, sir, replied Peter Sam, but he wasn't happy. He was more pleased, however, that the train collection was still in daylight. As he entered the yard limits of the mines, he waited and watched to see if anything would happen again. Just like the other day, the line was absent of any gunpowder wagons. The sun was starting to set and Peter Sam was erratic. The driver had neglected to check that the regulator was fully closed and Peter Sam on his own steam rolled forward out of the yard. But it was too late. The points had been accidentally diverted into a runaway siding. Peter Sam's wheels crunched on the ground as he derailed smoke box first. That's torn it now, said the driver. Suddenly, the two shapes drifted around him again. They were hard to make out in the distance and behind the rocks, but they created tension, which Peter Sam didn't like. You mustn't be so careless, cried one. You shouldn't come here, hissed the other. On the two diverging lines, two of the most peculiar diesels Peter Sam had ever seen stared at him coldly. Uh, 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 are you going to keep me here? He whimpered. You're not allowed here. But what about my trucks? How, how do I know where to get them? Duncan normally collects our trucks. We don't know who you are, they barked. Peter Sam took the time to study the engines. Their cabs were in the centre of their bodies and their fronts and backs sloped down and made them look like some kind of insect. Why have I never seen you before? He asked. The diesels scoffed. Because we're not allowed to live here. We don't belong to your controller. We're a privately owned company. It would be irresponsible of us to come onto your line. Do you have names? Asked Peter Sam. We do. I'm Belinda. And I'm Buzz. And we're the diesel diesels. They keep the gunpowder mines humming away. What about Christmas? Quizzed Peter Sam despondently. Don't you go get to celebrate Christmas or do you just always work? 
We've never been given the opportunity. We don't see why we have to start this year either. We're quite like our own company. Here, we're not disturbed by engines snooping about. Surely you must celebrate Christmas. Don't you want to see holidaymakers and happy children? Belinda and Buzz looked at each other and looked at Peter Sam. They had never thought about the idea of Christmas outside of the mines before. They came to their conclusion. We're quite happy here. We would appreciate it if you didn't come back either. Peter Sam felt rather frustrated by the mix of emotions he was enduring. He was a little scared of Belinda and Buzz, but felt for them as they never had the opportunity to celebrate any holidays. With a Winton chain available, the two diesels helped hoist Peter Sam back onto the line. I think it must be best that I go then, he sighed, and disappeared into the night with his train of gunpowder wagons. <laughs> The next morning, Belinda and Buzz awoke to find a truck different to their own. It was an empty slate truck, and someone had set up a small yule tree in the night. The two diesels looked at the tree with a rather puzzled expression and decided to think nothing of it more than it's a rather randomly nice gesture. Belinda and Buzz remain in the gunpowder mines and keep to themselves most of the time. They're rough around the edges and don't have many niceties attached, but they get their work done and try not to make much fuss. That Christmas day though, as they sat in their shed, they wondered who the secret Santa was who bought the Yule Tree. Peter Sam, however, was pleased with himself. Even though he didn't get to spend his winter holidays doing what he loved most, he was happy that he could try his best to spread some festive cheer to those who needed it. Fearless Friend
on the North Western Railway have a large variety of engines to operate goods and passenger services. Engines like Gordon and Rebecca were designated to pull the Express, while James, Bear and Barry would pull a mix of goods and passenger services. Henry the Green Engine could often be seen pulling big heavy goods trains, along with the likes of Murdoch, Donald and Douglas. But he always enjoyed the opportunity when he got to pull passenger trains like the others. That day, Henry was scheduled to help Gordon and Rebecca with additional express services. He arrived at Croven's Gate, feeling rather tired. The express only stopped at the larger towns where more people would commute to, which made the length of runs in between stations rather long for an engine like Henry. He was a strong engine, but speed wasn't what he excelled in. Henry panted at the platform as passengers disembarked the train. A young lady with a camera took a photograph of the big green engine with a flash and a snap. Henry thought that the picture wouldn't be flattering at all. She then made her way to the interchange where the platform aligned with the narrow gauge railway. It was at this time that a newly scheduled passenger train on said railway would arrive back into the station on its return journey. The train in question was being pulled by Freddy. He had pulled passenger trains before, but he was more used to being a shunter and goods engine at the top station, so this was a particularly special treat. He looked at the big green engine and started. Excuse me, but are you alright? Yes, I'm quite alright, thank you. I'm just <sighs> trying uh, my best. Henry was rather taken aback by the little narrow gauge engine, but decided it was in his best interest to acknowledge his empathy. I don't believe we've been acquainted, the little engine started. I'm Freddy. Well, it's nice to meet you, Freddy. I'm Henry, and I work the main line. Yeah, I can see that, Freddy chuckled. <laughs> it must be nice to see all the busy towns whizzing by. It's all well and good, but... But? I would much rather prefer the countryside. I've always wondered what the mountain views on your railway must look like. <laughs> oh, they're very lovely. I enjoy coasting up and down the mountain range, up the line. It's at about the top of the summit that you can look down and see your railway. I often see engines like yourself and other big lads coasting up and down the line so carefree. Well, I admire that you think of it like that. I'm certainly not the fastest engine on Serdo, but I can pull heavy trains. Oh, I wish I got to see the views like that, though. The two engines' conversation was interrupted as the guard on Henry's train blew his whistle and waved the green flag. Henry tooted, Goodbye, Freddy. I hope we can see each other again soon. huffed his hardest towards Vickerstown Station, where he met the connecting service that would continue to the mainland. A diesel multiple unit was waiting on the adjacent platform and looking rather stern. This won't do, old-timer. I can't be kept waiting. If you're late tonight, I'll go off and leave your passengers behind. And he fizzed away. 
Henry solemnly stared off in the distance. He then remembered the time he scolded Peter Sands so many years ago for the exact same thing and now felt rather silly. He spent the night at Vickerstown Sheds, relieved that his express duties had concluded. Gordon thundered in the next morning with the early service as Henry reared up to his first passenger train for the day. You would have thought that the fat controller had gotten an engine fast enough to pull the express on the one day that I couldn't do it. At the rate I heard you go at, you would have been better off giving the job to James. Henry snorted. The fast controller knows that I'm not built for speed. If he would have wanted James to pull the express, then he would have asked him. I don't know. You're a good engine, Henry, but maybe stick to the heavy goods and the kipper. And with that, Gordon uncoupled to use the turntable. The fat controller had heard everything as he approached Henry at the platform. Please don't listen to Gordon, he said. I trust you more than James to run a reliable service without delay. You take great care when running your trains. Thank you, sir, replied Henry. That's why I'm making today's passenger service a permanent one for you. I think a local train on the main line will do well for your pacing. Henry was relieved with this news. As he exited the station, he was able to travel at a speed where he could enjoy everything around him. He smiled and whistled at engines that passed by and got the opportunity to stop at stations for a more desirable amount of time. He soon puffed into Crovensgate Station where he again met Freddy. It was Freddy's day, however, to be upset. The thing control has given me another passenger train to run in addition to my own. For some reason, he has relieved Duncan from passenger duties and he's placed him in the yard to do shunting duties. Henry felt for his new friend, but wanted to reassure him. Well, you do look like a strong narrow-gauge engine. I'm sure with the extra time to make up, you will have no trouble. Freddy laughed. <laughs> like you, I was built for strength, not speed. I guess I'll just have to work harder. If your passengers wanted to travel any other way, they'd take the bus. I'm sure they enjoy your steady pace, said Henry. Freddy was thankful, but he wasn't sure. He left the station and started to climb up the line. The coaches were ignorant today and didn't feel much for Freddy's timing. Come on, we mustn't be late. Come on, we mustn't be late, they taunted. With enough determination, Freddy was able to make it to the first few stations on time, but it was still on his mind he had yet another train to pull from the other end of the line that day.
On the return journey with his new train, Freddy had overworked himself so much that he blew his safety valve. The train stood to a standstill at the very top of the summit. The guard decided to contact the nearest station to request for help. Freddy looked down the summit and watched the standard gauge engines crawl back and forth on their respective lines like little insects. There was a sudden flash and snap. Freddy blinked and wondered what it could be. He soon forgot about it though as he was buffered up to Rusty, the little diesel. Your poor engine, Rusty soothed. Two continuous services all day and you burst a safety valve. What you need is a well-earned rest. Rusty pulled Freddy and the passenger train to each of the stations and once again to Croven's Gate, where the service was due to cease. You did a good job, Freddy. You pulled more services than any engine on the railway and you managed to keep all your passengers calm in an accident. No wonder why they call you fearless, Rusty said implicitly. Henry and James were at the opposing platforms, each facing different directions. I don't understand why you love this new service so much, James said to Henry. If anything, it slows you right down that you can't get to where you need to be fast enough. If you ask me, Henry chimed, I've quite enjoyed taking in the scenery and absorbing all the small talk. You just need to appreciate those slice-of-life moments more, James. Says the engine who spends his free time in forests, James pouted and he went on his way. Henry noticed that Freddy was sitting at the platform, looking rather sorry for himself. A visit to the steamworks and it should be as right as rain, said Henry. The passengers moved from one side of the platform to the other to board Henry's train, but the young lady with the camera went to approach him. I couldn't help to overhear your conversation the other day, she started, so I thought you would like this photograph. The young lady showed off the photograph to Henry, which depicted the view from the summit which Freddy had described the other day. And one of the engines snaking around the track on the main line was Henry. Thank you very much, whistled Henry happily. Freddy was happy for Henry, but was still feeling rather sorry for himself. Tell you what, went on Henry. Because I'm in a good mood, I'll try and make some time to visit you tomorrow at the works, and I'll tell you the story about how I rescued two failed diesels. A smile on Freddy's smokebox began to gleam. How about I tell you the time I rescued Renéas from a nasty derailment? Henry winked. You've got yourself a deal. And the big green engine whistled goodbye to his new friend.
and tallness at the transfer yard. And so they're cute and friendly, these engines work so hard. They are the narrow gauge engines, running on narrow gauge track. Scullery, Peter, Sam, Renee is the handle at the back. They've got their own controller, Mr. Percival is his name. And so they're small, they're strong and really useful, just the same. Walkers, campers, fishermen, to all of them their friends. Puffing proudly up the slopes and rattling round the beds. They are the narrow-gauge engines, running on a narrow-gauge track. Friends like Rusty, Duncan, Phyllis, Freddie, Mighty Mac. They've got their own controller, Mr. Percival is his name. and fall. Many different kinds of trucks and freight wagons will be housed at the goods yard. It was no social convenience for being in this situation though, because as soon as a truck would get comfortable with their fellowship, they will be needed for a job and will be moved again. A long line of trucks was leaving the goods yard one evening. They were old and corroded with rotten wood and rusting frames. On their sides, the letters S.R. Ruffy had been peeling off. Based on their trucks and their troublesome reputation, you would never pick them to be inquisitive at the best of times. But as with all interesting things, there's often more than meets the eye. It just so happened that one curious truck decided to spark a conversation with a lofty tar tanker who sat next to him. Look, look, do you see those trucks over there? That long line living in the yard? Do you know where they're going? They've been sold. To who? Someone who would take cheap trucks. Someone who knows that one day will be... obsolescent. What do you mean? You mean to say you don't recognize who those trucks are? 
They used to be ballast wagons, but they were made with cheap materials before their owner didn't care for throwing around money. The now not-so-troublesome truck looked down at his buffers with concern and watched the last of the scruffy wagons disappear in the remaining sunlight. There was a short silence. Are they going to be scrapped? Beats me, responded the tar tanker. They'll probably rot away before that happens. <laughs> it's no thanks to Mr. Ruffy. You mean the original? The one that got pulled apart? Oh no, not him. I mean his maker. His owner, you see. The curious truck blinked. Surely you've heard about why Mr. Ruffy broke his trust with the railway. The little truck gave a vacant expression. Oh, come off it. Every truck must know the story of Scruffy. It seems as though I have to share it. That may answer a thing or two for you. It all started back in the days of the Mid-Sodor Railway, where engines like Duke used to run. Before the Tidmouth Ballast Contractor Company even existed, men who meant business came to Sodor to see what they could invest in. For Mr. Ruffy, it was indeed ballast. The manager of the Mid-Sodor Railway and Mr. Ruffy came to an agreement to operate a ballast mine up the line. Trust me, sir, I am sure that this will be a good investment for both of us. The manager reluctantly agreed. He had his reservations, but the railway did need the money. You'll be given an engine to help carry out everything you need, the manager told Mr. Ruffy. The only engine for the job, however, was Smudger. Oh, who's he? asked the little truck. That, put in the tar tanker, is a whole other story itself. You can ask Duke about that one if you ever find yourself in the yards at Crovin's Gate. Anyway, where were we? What I can tell you about Smudger is that he was a dead devil of an engine. If I didn't know he was a locomotive, I would have guessed he was born a truck. Alfred and Atlas, the mining engines, were also present, knocking about in the mine shafts. They have no cabs, you see, so they could go in and out of the mines with ease, and they had no shortage of trucks. Mr. Ruffy felt he should make his mark, so he inscribed his initials on the side of the mine wagons. You could say that these were the first scruffies. It was no help that Smudger would pull them roughly, it only made the trucks more antagonizing for Atlas and Alfred. Mr. Ruffy would proudly parade about riding Smudger's footplate, giving orders to all the miners. The manpower was overworked, as were the engines. The manager was not impressed at all. I need to make sure that you're looking after this workforce. If you abuse my workers, then I'll have no option but to remove you from the operation. This didn't taint Mr. Ruffy's vision whatsoever. One day, Atlas was in the deepest areas of the mines with a line of scruffies, and Mr. Ruffy decided to come down on the opportunity to see for himself how the work was going. We're not getting enough ballast. We need more. The Northwestern Railway is depending on us to deliver, and we need results now. But sir, replied one of the miners, we can only go so fast. I've never heard such empirical poppycock in my life, he sneered. I need you to keep digging here. There's plenty of good resource. 
and without another word, Mr. Ruffy and Atlas made their way out. The shy miner knew that he wasn't meant to dig where Mr. Ruffy had instructed him to, but he wanted to get the job done with. He threw his axe into the wall and a crumbling sound emerged. Get out everybody, shouted another miner. The miners all jumped into trucks behind Alfred as he puffed as quickly as he could. The shy miner, however, who had initiated the crumbling, stumbled on a loose rock and tripped over. He lifted himself up, but it was too late. Rock fell all around him, trapping him inside the mine. Alfred charged out of the opening, with the miners gasping for breath. Mr. Ruffy turned on his heel. What's happening? Why aren't you working? There's been a landslide inside the mine, started Alfred. Nobody can get in or out. Mr. Ruffy walked towards Alfred and gave him a glaring look in the eye. No engine talks to me. The miners had soon realized that one of their own was missing and that he was still trapped inside. It's too late for him, decided Smudger. Suddenly, small rocks sprinkled onto the ground from above. The miners had decided they had enough. They jumped back into the scruffy carts behind Alfred as he chuffed away as fast as he could. Smudger loyally stayed behind, waiting for the call from his master. His driver and fireman soon thought otherwise as the rocks turned into boulders showering around them. Smudger soon disappeared too, leaving Mr. Ruffy to fend for himself. Mr. Ruffy paced towards the mine entrance, attempting to move the rocks blocking the entrance with his bare hands. But it was too late. One large giant boulder rolled down the cliff edge and landed right in front of Mr. Ruffy, nearly missing him. What happened next isn't clear. Mr. Ruffy could have sworn that the boulder had a face and that it glared at him menacingly, but nonetheless, it was threatening. He ran as fast as he could and eventually made it to the mine office where Smudger and his crew were waiting. Apparently, it looked like he had seen a ghost. All that he said was, we should have left this part of the island alone. Despite having a near-death experience, this did not change his attitude for the better. He eventually forgot about the incident and started the Tidmouth Company some months later. It was then passed on to his son who unfortunately learned from his father. But one thing from that day was decided, that Mr. Ruffy and his bloodline weren't to be trusted by anybody. Ever since, he has had a murky relationship with the Fat Controller. I can understand why now, said the little truck. You would think, retorted the tar tanker, that one would learn from their mistakes, but it seems that some people never change, and the Ruffy family's negligence carried on to make more and more mistakes. Their conversation was interrupted as the little truck was buffered up to a salt wagon and some cattle vans. Seems like it's my kill to leave, said the little truck. Don't forget, left the tire tanker. Be thankful that you're a northwestern truck and that we don't have to face it face like the scruffies. Keep them in your thoughts when you can. 
the little truck was awfully quiet as he left the yard. He thought a lot about what the tartanker had shared, and even if he should be troublesome again.